If you have a financial question for Pager Bruce, you can call this number 24-7. Keep in mind, 888-6-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. Right now, you can call or text our studio line during the show, 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb, along with the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Well, hello, Denny, and hello, Bruce. I hope your day is going well so far. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Peg Webb. Hi, Denny Long. Uh, as always, good to be with you both. Uh, Denny, Peg and I today are, are talking about, uh, Peg, I think this is, you know, probably in terms of financial planning, which we talk about all the time on this show, um, this is a set of financial planning, and it's maybe the thing that we deal with most frequently, I would say. It, it's, it's, it's an analysis that probably needs to be done with every single client to determine, A, should we do it or not do it, and if we should do it, how much should we do, and when should we do it. And I'm speaking about the concept of a Roth conversion, which simply means we take money out of a traditional IRA pay the tax now, and put the proceeds into a Roth IRA where hopefully if we handle it right, no future taxes will be due on that money. So today we're going to talk about tips and traps of the process of Roth conversion, which is, like I said, a very common planning strategy that we look at for almost everybody. Agreed, Peg? Well, absolutely, Bruce. And you know what I thought I might do? is uh, there's a lot of confusion around contributory Roth and then yeah. Roth conversion. So super quick, uh, contributory Roth, uh, that just means that you're taking cash and you're going to go put money into a Roth IRA. And the features and benefits are you take after-tax money and if you deposit it into a contributory Roth, it grows tax-free provided that you wait five years and 59 and a half to pull the money back out. Now, um, contributories are based on uh, income. You know, not everybody gets to decide that I want to contribute to a Roth IRA because there's rules around that. And then there's also rules around how much can you put in if you are eligible. So we're not going to go into that today, but believe it or not, that's the simplest form. And I'm going to bring up the contributory sometimes when I'm talking about the conversions, just to point out that the rules of a contributory and a conversion are not the same. So why? Why do they have to make it so complicated, right? Why can't the rules be the same? Well, they're not. Basically, this Roth, I can't believe, Bruce, it was established in 1997 and has been popular ever since. Whenever you hear the words tax-free, everybody's ears perk up and they want to know, am I eligible? Tell me about that, etc. Now, this conversion, um, and I would say it's voluntary, you know, everybody out there can choose to convert from a traditional, you know, to a Roth. 
And probably the most immediate impact when I talk about it is that if indeed you're considering doing that, you're actually almost prepaying, but you're paying an income tax today for the privilege of doing it. So we've all been taught, Bruce, that when we put into our 401ks at work and and maybe we were eligible for a contributory uh, IRA and we got to deduct it on our income taxes, uh, that, that tax deferred has become kind of the most popular mentally. Like if you can get an immediate gratification, then, uh, you know, people love that. Here today, Bruce, we're going to talk about if you want to do this conversion, hey, you're going to have to ante up some taxes right now. Bruce? Yeah, and I, you know, Peg, I'm glad you brought up the difference between a contributory versus a conversion because I, I guess I was guilty of sort of assuming that people understood that, but I just got done with my uh, spring series of speaking engagements. So I was out there with folks, and I could tell from the questions I got at the workshops or the, the seminars that there was some confusion on that. And so I actually added that after after a couple of presentations. I added that in my pre-planned part of the presentation. I didn't wait for it to come up in the Q&A. I just got proactive and addressed it because you're right. There was and, and is still a lot of confusion about a contributory versus a conversion. And, yeah, the rules are dramatically different um, because anybody can convert, but not anybody can make new dollar contributions. And, you know, the dollar amounts in question and all the, you know, everything is, and and I I now understand why that is possible, probably, not possibly, probably confusing to a lot of people. But again, I think part of the reason this has always been very uh, prevalent, very uh, part of our financial planning I think the consuming public is probably more aware of it these days, at least in part because of the retraction in the market. We, you know, I know part of our what we're going to talk about today is when do you do it, when do you not do it, and one of the times we talk about where, when it might be a good time to do it is during a market retraction. And I think people have kind of figured that out, so they're asking us now proactively where maybe they didn't used to do that as much. Yes, yes. There's so many reasons uh, why people would consider doing a Roth conversion, but it, but it's so tailored to that particular client, and hence why you said, Bruce, we, we go over this with clients. Because there's this tax-free word, you have to pay real close attention to the rules, and anytime you have a tax break, there's loopholes, pitfalls, you know, um, how, how do you actually realize that savings? Well, um, Roth conversion 101, if indeed you do a Roth conversion, you've taken your IRA money, you decided I'm willing to pay a tax, now I've got this Roth um, conversion bucket, there's some rules that say the first thing is the first withdrawal must be your own contributions. Well, I kind of like that because I've actually now have after-tax money in my Roth conversion. So what the IRS is saying is you can pull back out the principal that you converted and there won't be any impact of taxation. So I actually like the fact that they say first withdrawals must be your own contribution. Secondly, 
the next withdrawals must come from conversions. So that kind of makes sense. And then three, earnings are withdrawn last. Um, And that's because there's all sorts of rules around those earnings. And those earnings are going to get taxed. Um, Well, if they're in the conversion and you follow all the rules, they're not going to get taxed. But there are some cases that if you take them out too early, um, that that you could uh, be taxed on them. So there's an, a fourth one here too. There's some exceptions. Um, well, let's let me talk about this. When you do a conversion, on each conversion, a five-year clock starts. So if I do a conversion right now for ten thousand dollars, and now that my ten thousand is in a Roth conversion account, and um, and I earn money on that. There's a five-year rule as to pulling the money out if you want to get the earnings tax-free. So the IRS has some exceptions to that, too. If you're making a down payment on your first house, if you're paying for higher education for yourself, your spouse, your children, if you're paying for health care premiums, if you're unemployed, they have they have medical expenses. There's some, um, you know, if you're in these situations, you get to take the money out before the five-year rule. So, Bruce, that's kind of the basic rules of just doing a conversion and then saying, well, educate me on how can I get my money back? When will it actually be tax-free, Bruce? Yeah, and you raise a really good point. Uh, And this is, again, this is something that we look at in our analysis. And uh, I, I had, again, I had this question out doing seminars, but you you mentioned the fact that people like immediate gratification. And so sometimes it's hard to convince a client that a Roth conversion is a good idea because they go, why would I pay taxes right now if I don't have to? You're, you're asking me to do something that's going to increase my tax liability this year. And, I, and, and we have to teach people or coach people that sometimes you're going to be much better off paying a little bit of tax right now if it helps you avoid a lot of tax down the road into the future. What we're looking at is not just the lowest tax in the current tax year, but the lowest amount of tax over your lifetime. And to get the lowest amount of tax over your lifetime, sometimes you want to pay a little bit right now. That's the, that's the basic rationale for why the conversion makes sense. But the question that I got when I was out there that, again, that we consider very carefully is after you have this cost, after you pay this tax, to do the conversion, how long do you have to let the money stay in the Roth bucket that you've created where you get the potential tax-free treatment? How long does it take for that accumulated money in the, in the tax-free bucket to offset the short-term cost? Because if you go spend that Roth money too quickly after the conversion, you don't earn enough or gain enough to make it worth your while to, to pay that short-term tax. So one of the things we look at is how long are they going to hold that money in the Roth if they, in fact, convert it? And we also look at what's the cost of the conversion now? If you're in a high tax bracket, if you're in, a say, a 24% tax bracket, we might look at it and say conversion does not make sense because cost is too high. But if you're in a low bracket, say a 10 or a 12, we might say, yeah, you should convert now because you're never going to pay at a, at a lower tax rate than where you're at right now, probably. So let's 
Let's and, and somebody, like you said earlier, Peg, somebody's going to pay the tax someday. Either you, the holder of the traditional IRA, or whoever you leave that money to, somebody's going to pay the tax. So it's just a question of when does it get paid and how do you pay at the lowest possible tax rate? Peg? Yeah, the, <clears throat> the most excited, and I'm telling you, the most excited that I get is for individuals or couples who retire super early. So let me take an example. You're 60 years old and you are going to retire and and both of you are retiring and you were super good savers and you have lots of cash or short-term investments in the bank or in a money market or in a, you know, some kind of a safe bucket. Well, you need money to live, right? So you take that money out of your safe bucket to live, but you have all this money in 401ks and IRAs as well. Well, if you have no income, right, they're 60. They haven't turned on their Social Security. They're actually going to wait till 65 to turn on a pension if they have one, but they need money to live. So they use their cash in the bank, and then they can soak up these low tax bracket. And I'm talking about 100000 150000 they can take out of their traditional IRAs and they can convert to Roths. And when you look at the blended federal tax brackets and you look at maybe your state income tax, if you live in a state that has income tax, um, they can actually convert this at very low uh, you know, rates. And so that's my favorite, favorite um, kind of a scenario. Now, that doesn't happen you know, every day, all day, because lots of people wait until they're, um, you know, 65. But even with Social Security, Bruce, and people are waiting to take it until full retirement age, that's not 65 anymore. And they also have some years where they've got cash in the bank, and now we don't have to take a required minimum distribution till we're 73. So that's actually providing more years to soak up these lower tax brackets because there's no mandate of taking Social Security or retired minimum distributions anytime soon. Bruce? Um, do me a favor, Peg. Earlier, I, I kind of went down this road, but you probably will explain it better than I will explain it. I brought up the fact that maybe we're getting this question more frequently these days because of market retraction. Talk a little bit about why a conversion might make more sense for somebody in a down market as compared to an up market when stocks are high. Yes. So if you have a traditional IRA and you want to do a conversion, and let's just say the stock market, you know, typically in these IRAs, it's your longer bucket of money. Um, and so you tend to be uh, exposed more to the stock market. So if the stock market is down, let's say 20%, then um, I literally, if you have a, um, you know, a set of mutual funds or a managed account that we manage, we literally can take the shares from the one that's taxable, the traditional, and move those shares over to the Roth in most cases, if the accounts are going from like to like, you know, so that's an easier transaction. But think about it. If a year ago the shares were valued at $10 and now they're valued at $8, 
I'm actually going to get a lot more shares in that Roth IRA today. And what does that mean? Well, the market's going to recover. I just don't know when. But those shares are going to be worth 10 again one day. And then inside that tax-free uh, Roth, you now have that growth all in a tax-free bucket instead of waiting for your traditional IRA to get back to $10. So it's just the best scenario ever if you can do conversions uh, when the market's down. Bruce? Um, I don't want to hijack our, our uh, agenda today, but um, another thing I wanted to hit really quickly, you mentioned blended tax rate, and for listeners that might not know what that means, you know, we have a progressive tax system. The, the tax rate goes up the higher your income is. So, you know, if you're a married couple filing jointly, um, your first $22,000 of income is taxed at, you know, 0 to 10%, but from 22000 to a little over 89000 it's taxed at 12%, and you go over that, it's taxed at 22%. So let's say your income is over 100000 that puts you in a 22% bracket. That doesn't mean that you're paying 22% on all of your income from dollar one. It's only the income over $89,450. So your blended rate, when you add all those progressive rates together, might be 14 or 15% is the tax rate that you pay. So that's what Peg means when she talks about blended rate. Peg, we've got uh, about three minutes or so left, and we're due for a break. What else do you want to hit in the first half of the show here on tips and traps about Roth conversions? Well, the other thing is, is, is some people consider if they're actually going to move. If they're in a state right now where, you know, it's taxed on a state level and they're moving to a, a state where it's a lower level, we take that into consideration. We also truly take into consideration what's, what the wishes and wants are if they pass away. So do they want their beneficiaries to get more tax-free dollars? I mean, wouldn't it be a shame if you're in a really low tax bracket and then something happens to you and it goes to your children who are in a very high tax bracket? There's new rules out there today. Everybody's heard of the SECURE Act and changes are, um, are constantly coming our way. Now, uh, you're mandated as a beneficiary to take that money out over 10 years. And so that's a big consideration too, Bruce, uh, when it comes to, like, why would we do it? It's not just because you pay tax and then you get things tax-free. We're looking at the linear taxation, uh, not only for yourself, but maybe for your beneficiaries one day. Bruce? Yeah, and, and, and again, I want to go back to how we started the conversation. Um, this is something that is universally applicable to everybody. Now, I, what I mean by that is, not everybody should go out and do a Roth conversion right now. There's a lot of reasons not to do it. Maybe in the second half of the show, we can even talk a little bit about sort of the ideal time to do it and the time never to do it. But it's something that we do as an analysis. Almost, almost everybody at least needs the analysis. And I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. On this show, I talked about you know, how we always look at Roth conversion analysis and a longtime client who I have a great relationship with came in shortly after the radio show and said, I heard you say on your radio show you always do Roth conversion analysis. Well, you never did one with me. I said, who said we didn't? Why would you say that? Well, you never said anything to me about it. 
And I said, well, that's because we're not recommending it. It doesn't make sense for you. It doesn't mean we didn't do the analysis. So I, I would generally tell my clients, if you've never heard us proactively talk about it, it doesn't mean we haven't looked at it. It just means it's not a good time for you to do it yet, or we would have brought it up in conversation. But I think almost everybody you know, need, needs to be looking at this, especially as they get you know, past the age of 59 and a half and close to retirement or even in retirement. Denny, I know we got less than a minute. Let's do this. We'll, uh, we'll uh, give numbers and get listeners involved in the second half, and Peg and I will wrap up and tie a bow on our discussion of Roth conversion tips and traps. Sounds mighty good. Let's uh, let me give the uh, the studio line. You can call or text our studio line right now. As a matter of fact, at six five one four six one nine two two six. Now keep in mind too, if you think of a financial question midweek, you can also call this number anytime eight 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 six advice. That's eight 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 six advice. But do call now at six five one four six one nine two two six. That'll uh, work for both texts. And your phone call, 651-461-9226. We'll be back with more of your money. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 24-7-888-6ADVICE. You can also email those questions to yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. You can also call right now during the show. Call or text our studio line at 651 461 9226. Once again, he was Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Danny Long. Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us. Or if you joined us late, Peg and I have been talking about Roth conversions, some tips, some traps, when to do it, when not to do it. And Peg, I know you had uh, some other thoughts that uh, we haven't shared yet. Before I throw it back to you and we jump back into that conversation, it occurs to me that we would probably be remiss if we did not mention last uh, our last show, uh, the the president and Speaker McCarthy had announced that they, they had an agreement. Now that in the past week, it's been voted on, it's been signed into law. So everybody that was worried about whether or not we were going to default on our debt, uh, we the crisis has been averted. Uh, we're good now until... Uh, sometime in 2025 before the issue will come up again, if it does. So no worries right now about a a default on on the debt. The stock market reacted to the news very positively on Friday, as we suspected it might. Uh, Not that anyone ever knows what will happen in the short term. Now, the details of the agreement, I've read it. Uh, I don't want to go into it today. I don't know if we'll we'll talk more about it in a future show. But the but the headline is, if you hadn't heard, it's been voted on, it's been signed in the law, it, it passed in the House and the Senate by significant margin, getting, you know, it's very bipartisan, getting votes from Republicans and Democrats. So when it's bipartisan, that's generally good. And when everybody is complaining that they didn't get what they wanted, that's also probably good. That means both sides had to compromise. So I think uh, just the headline is, Good news uh, for investors and for uh, for everybody. Peg? Yeah, the one thing that I wanted to do is quickly just go through uh, who would not probably want to do a Roth conversion. Uh, if you're not sure of your tax situation, uh, let's say it's February of this year, and you say, okay, I might do that Roth conversion, but you're unsure about what the rest of this year is going to look like. 
Are you going to have a big capital gain? Are you going to win the lottery? Are you going to inherit money that's taxable? You may have no clue about that in February of this year. So that's a consideration. Also, we talked about paying taxes today, but I wanted to mention the ripple effect. So if you have income and you're raising it by doing a Roth conversion, you actually might pay more in Medicare, you know, uh, because you're 65 or older. So you got to watch that. Some of my clients get property tax um, rebates in August in Minnesota. And so that could affect some of these freebies that you get. So you got to take notice of that. Um, How do you deplete other assets to pay for the taxes? So we talked about, Bruce, that it's taxable, but where are you going to get the money? Um, I am not a fan of using the conversion money to uh, pay the tax. So let's say you have $10,000 and you want to convert it to a Roth and you move the um, $10,000, but you owe $2,500 on that conversion. Um, some clients say, well, just take that 2500 out of the conversion and then I'll only have a 7500 Roth. I say, no, let's go find that money somewhere else. That's not the most effective way to pay your taxes. So I wanted to bring that up. And then um, if you feel like you're working now, and I know we're big on Roth conversions for some people, and maybe you're in a higher tax bracket now. You don't even know how low you're going to be it, when you retire so that you you might just wait there too so the other thing i want to mention is that with a contributory roth uh, i talked about that five-year clock and the 15 and a half when you do conversions and this is a big deal each conversion has its own five-year clock when you contribute to a roth your original first roth deposit created your five-year clock that's a huge difference. I recently just had a client, Bruce, call me and say, hey, we just decided to go build a new house. And I need that Roth money as part of that purchase. So when I looked at it, there's multiple conversions in there. So there's, you know, five, seven years we've done these conversions. All of them have an independent five-year clock. So there's a portion of that money that I suggested we could use for that house purchase. But some of it, we're going to want to wait until that five-year clock um, goes past. Bruce? Yeah, and uh, I don't know if this will be the last word or not. I'll give you another shot. But you reminded me of uh, a couple of different things. And again, I want to draw a distinction between conversion and contributory. If you are just contributing, you're, you're, you're taking you know, W-2 income and you're, you qualify to, for a Roth IRA and you're making your contributions and you're not retired yet, this is not converting any IRA, this is just contributing to a Roth, in that case, the five-year clock starts from the first contribution, and the five years is, is over, five, five years from the first contribution. If you made four more contributions along the way, all that money is available potentially for tax-free withdrawals. So the contributory and the conversion, again, just to confuse everybody, <laughs> to confuse yeah. everybody the, the rules are different. And then um, I don't want to oversimplify this, Peg, but, but again, as you listen to our discussion up to this point, kind of when you should do it would be if you can do it in, at a low tax rate, um, if the market is down, that helps. If 
you have a long time that you're going to leave it in the Roth before you spend the money. And if you have cash or assets somewhere to pay tax on the conversion, that that's probably a good time to do a conversion. And oftentimes, that's early in retirement. So you're retired and your income is down, so your tax bracket is down, but you're not drawing Social Security yet or you're, you're not taking required minimum distributions yet. So you, have, you, can, you can manipulate your taxable income. That's oftentimes a really good time to do it. Um, but if you're in a high tax rate or you don't have money to pay the tax or you're not planning to leave that money in a Roth for a long time, those are all reasons not to do a conversion. And I also love, and this is what makes this so complicated, and this is what, this is what makes folks like Wealth Enhancement so valuable, all those ripple effects that you brought up, I dare say 99.9% of the people, if they were trying to figure this out on their own, would not have the, the wherewithal to understand all those potential ripple effects that you mentioned. Um, so again, when we talk about value added of somebody like us, it's not just return on investment on your invested assets. It's the financial planning that we do. The strategies and, and, and Roth conversion is a big one that comes up a lot. I think I'll give you the last word, and we'll let listeners take us home. Yeah, that was a great summary, Bruce. And I would just say you can find just a plethora of uh, information, educational resources. on. We have a, a newer web page that's wealthenhancement.com backslash your money. And if you put in the search engine, Roth conversions, uh, you'll see some articles that we've uh, written in there if you wanted to just refresh. Awesome. All right, Danny, let's let listeners uh, take us the rest of the way. Yes, indeed. If you'd like to call in your financial question or send a text, either way, here's the number, 651-461-9226. Here's the first one. Here's the first text. How do you treat pre-Roth non-deductible contributions on uh, conversions and on RMDs. Okay, let's let's unwind that again. Pre-Roth, say that one more time, Danny, please. Sure. How do you treat pre-Roth non-deductible contributions on conversions and on RMDs? Peggy, you think they're they're hinting at backdoor Roth here, or what? Uh, what's your say on this question? I think so. I think so. Um, so. Uh, a definition of a backdoor Roth is we have a couple options when we look at um, contributing to IRAs in general. A traditional IRA, which I talked about, that there's uh, some income categories or there's some income provisions. You can't go over the certain income. There's a dollar amount that you can put in a traditional IRA. You could choose to do a Roth if you're eligible based on income. And then there's this third type of IRA, which is called a non-deductible IRA. And simply put, that is you can take after-tax money, put it into a non-deductible. You didn't get any tax benefit by doing this. But then that um, earnings will grow tax-deferred. So here you've got after-tax basis, and you've got growth earnings that will be 100% tax. You can convert um, your non-deductible to a Roth IRA, but it used to be unlimited, Bruce. It used to be the IRS didn't think about this, but you could take your non-deductible 
and um, a portion of your traditional IRA and convert it, well, now there's a formula out there that you have to take into consideration on December 31st uh, of the previous year. You have to take into consideration your entire IRAs that you have. And then there's this formula that the IRS says, if you're going to do a conversion on a non-deductible, you need to pull in quite a few of your other taxable um, IRA uh, dollars. And so basically they're forcing you to do a bigger conversion and pay tax. See, what happens is, my last statement here is, if you do non-deductibles and you've done them several years and you have a separate bucket of these non-deductibles with some earnings, to be able to convert that all into a Roth without no other ripple effect of the IRS pulling other dollars in was just a wonderful strategy. And we utilized it heavily, but since they've had us now pull in these other IRAs uh, for the tax, it, it's a little bit more painful, Bruce, to do that conversion on those non-deductibles um, in one particular year. Bruce? Yeah, and, and uh and for listeners that might not be clear why we would use this backdoor concept, again, if it's contributory dollars, not conversions, but contributory, you're restricted if your income is too high. And I think, you know, a single filer, they phase you out of being able to convert to a Roth at somewhere around 140000 of adjusted gross income. Married couple filing jointly, it's like 220 or something like that. So if you make too much money... You can't contribute to a Roth, but you can contribute to a non-deductible traditional IRA. And then since there's no income restrictions on conversion, then you can make that, the theory was, you can make this contribution to a non-deductible traditional IRA knowing you were going to convert it to Roth ultimately. So you get into Roth through the back door, so to speak. But, yeah, you're right. It's trickier and more complicated than it's ever been. And, Peg, part of the text also then referenced required minimum distribution. And I'm not sure exactly what they meant. But legally, if I have to take a required minimum distribution, there's no nothing legally preventing me from converting that to a Roth. But if you're 73 or older or you're taking RMDs, I question whether – it's a good idea at that point to convert to a Roth, and I'm not even sure if that was what they were asking, but they mentioned RMDs in their, in their question. You want to comment? I do. So here's the rule. You must take your RMD and pay tax on it. I get this question all the time. People say, well, just convert that to a Roth. i got to pay tax on it anyway. Nope, nope, the IRS says. You need to take that money, pay your tax, and if you want to do a Roth conversion, that's after you have satisfied your required minimum distribution. So they got us there. Bruce? Yep, good, good, important distinction. You're absolutely right. That's huge. Anything else on that? No, I think that's good. All right, good job. Denny? Yeah, here's another one that came in earlier. Do you need to open a new Roth just for the conversion or can you roll it into an existing Roth IRA? Ooh, that's a really good question, Peg. Oh, you can. You can put them all together. I don't recommend it because of uh, the details that I discussed during the show today. They're completely different 
when it comes to uh, taking distributions and doing conversions. So I'm somebody that, and, and maybe my team doesn't like that I do this, but I open up separate accounts for different purposes. And um, I, although I have in the past, um, and, and let me go back to this uh, client that I have that's going to buy a house and has about 250000 in his Roth, half of that is contributory. Half of that is from <clears throat> conversions. And so it's just a matter of us. We can do the research and see how would each one of those uh, contributions versus conversions be treated at this point in time. But if you want to keep it easier, you would open a separate account. Bruce? Yeah, I agree with you, Peg. And and, and I, I would say that, generally speaking, we try to simplify things and consolidate when we can. So someone might come to us and, and have, you know, five different IRAs, and if they're all just traditional IRAs, might say, why don't you make your life easier and, and take these five and make it one? So this seems to be contrary to that philosophy where you could just do this all in one and we're saying, no, don't. But I agree with you, the complexity of, and the mushmash and confusion of having some money in there that's contributory, some money that's converted, and, and, if, and if you do it multiple times, I think it just creates unnecessary complication, and there's no real disadvantage in having multiple accounts, really, other than, you know, again, trying to keep things simple and have as few as possible. There's no cost disadvantage. If I have if I have uh, two Roths, 5000 in each, the cost is the same as one Roth with 10000 I mean, so there's no real disadvantage that way, and I think it just simplifies things. I agree with you. Danny? One more. Can I take my RMD, convert $5,000 to Roth, and use the other part of RMD to pay the tax? Peg, this goes back to what you said a few minutes ago, that you have to satisfy the RMD uh, before you can do any burden. That's right. So you, you don't get to decide on that one. The RMD has to come out. It has to be fully taxable. Now, after your RMD is satisfied, you could choose to do a Roth <clears throat> conversion. But that's a good question that, I, that we got there. I don't think we've addressed this. How do you pay the tax? Well, I did. I said, if you convert 10000 and you owe $2,500, you, know, you can choose to either have the IRA pay that tax, and then you'd only have a 7500 Roth. I'm not a fan of that. I'd rather that you had after-tax money to pay the tax and and take advantage of the full 10,000 conversion. Bruce? Peg, we've had a couple questions now that seem to be getting to the, at um, how do we avoid taxes on required minimum distribution and they want to use the Roth conversion and there is a way to do it, but it's not with Roth. Do you want to talk about QCD? Well, I'll do that. But before that, I kind of forgot to mention a motivation of clients to do these Roth conversions is so that the RMD is a lesser number when they turn RMD age. So I don't think we highlighted that, but that's a motivation for people to say, hey, I don't want to be forced to take this money out at now 73 years old. Some of you listening now are already in the RMD phase where you had to take it out at 70 and a half, 
but now it's uh, 73. So I do believe that um, that there are reasons, you know, uh, oh, the QCD, I'm sorry. The QCD, the Qualified Charitable um, Distributions, where if you're charitably inclined, you can have us uh, direct uh, your required minimum distributions to the charities of your choice. What does that do? Well, it actually fulfills your uh, wishes to uh, give to charities. Secondly, um, it reduces your required minimum distribution. So on the front page of your return, uh, if you gave $10,000 to charities, then your required minimum distribution taxable amount would be less $10,000. That could help you in that if you really wanted to do Roth conversions, there's $10,000 that kind of disappeared, if you will, and then you may, you could uh, add another 10000 IRA um, conversion onto that and see if that made sense for you. Those are the kinds of things, Bruce, that we're doing every day in our practice just try to see the pros and cons of um, what you want us to do. But the QCDs are very popular with our clients because if you were philanthropic and you were giving anyway, this is the best way that you could continue to give to charities that will uh, give you a tax advantage. Bruce? You know, Peg, I, I think, and I'll close uh, up with this, I think prevailing wisdom is or, or was that if you have tax-qualified money, tax-deferred money, traditional IRA, traditional 401k, that you should not spend that money at retirement unless you absolutely have to, because if you spend it, you have to pay the tax. And I'm proud of the fact that I think we've changed the thinking on this. You mentioned that you can lower your RMD if you start to take distributions or withdrawals sooner. So what we talk about is soaking up the lowest tax bracket that you're probably ever going to be in anyway, and taking withdrawals and either using it as income for lifestyle at retirement, or if you don't need that money for income, then converting to a Roth. But this idea that you wait until the government forces you to take the money, for most people, is not the most efficient way to go. Denny, I know we're out of time, my friend. Yes, indeed. We hope you come back again with more of your money next week. If you think of a financial question midweek or so, here's a toll-free number you can call. Leave your question, 888-6ADVICE. Again, that's 888-6ADVICE. Of course, you can always email those questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. Email those questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. But we do hope you join us again next week with more of Your Money.